Hello, dear listeners. Welcome to a new episode of the Partido Partido podcast, where we talk everything Aleti. So, joining me to talk about Aleti today is Kelvin. Kelvin, how are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Well, Kelvin, I'm doing okay, better than Aleti at the moment. So, Kelvin, today is the 14th. That's the time day we are recording, and it's Valentine's Day. So, happy Valentine's Day! <laughs> thank you. Uh... And to you too. Well, uh, that's great. So, maybe a quick question. Can you maybe just tell us how you came about supporting one of the loves of your life, and that's Brighton? Well, um, I, I was born in Brighton. That was the first thing. Um, the second thing uh, was that my, my dad was, uh, my dad is uh, a Brighton fan and has been a Brighton season ticket holder for many, many, many years. So, when I was younger, he, he took me to a couple of games. Um, a 3-1 home defeat to, to crew and then a 2-2 draw against uh, West Ham both in, in the championship, which is the English second division. And then he asked, plus an away game at Coventry, which we also lost. And then he asked me if I wanted a, a season ticket for the season after, which was the 05-06 season. An interesting fact, um, I was the mascot the day we, we mathematically got relegated from the championship. So from the second tier to the third tier of English football. So, um, but yeah, so effectively, uh, the, the Brighton story be- was mainly because of um, because of my dad, really. Well, uh, that's no surprise, okay, given you were born in Brighton and then your father being a Brighton fan. And that was, mm-hmm. I don't want to say, I want to, to say amazing, but you said you guys got relegated. But I think it was the relegation aside, you guys, that was really, really a great feeling being the mascot for at least a day. Yes, it was. I got I got to meet all the players. Um, uh, yeah, I got to meet the players. I got to meet the manager uh, as well, and uh, I got I got to have a have a kickabout on on the pitch, which was the with Dean Stadium, our stadium before um, the Amex. So yeah, I got to do that. I was also a ball boy once the following season. I think we played um, Boston in the League Cup. We we won that game one nil and. Yeah, I had to wait. Six, I worked out the. I had to wait six games before I saw Brighton win a game. So that was. Uh, yeah, I had to be patient, but um, yeah. But you know, as you said, um, fantastic moments to to be a mascot to 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 walk on to the pitch with uh, with the captain and uh, and to also uh, have been a ball boy and to to have seen the game from a different perspective as well was 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 really enjoyable. Welcome. I being a Brighton fan along, I think you have seen it all. That's relegation, promotion, and basically I'm sure you are kind of quite happy with where you guys are at the moment because you have been there when you guys have been in like League One, that's I think the third tier of mm-hmm. football or the championship and now in the Premier League. That's that should be fantastic. So uh, the next question, um, how do you come about your second love, which is basically La Liga? Because despite being a fan of Brighton, you basically a super fan of La Liga where you watch almost every game which is available and if it's possible and then you are kind of one of those who kind of like defend La Liga when like fans try to say trash about the league that the league is basically a two-horse league they are not this in the league so what kind of made you despite being in England really a huge fan of the Spanish league? Well it started um, when I was very very young and uh Sorry to bring your uh, rivals into it for a, a quick second. It starts with David Beckham moving to Real Madrid um, because Beckham was my favourite England player when I started watching England. Um, him and another one who would end up... My two favourite England players when I, started, when I started watching England were David Beckham and Michael Owen. And of course, they both ended up 
um, playing uh, for, for for Madrid. And um, I just started watching his games over there, and I and I really enjoyed um, at that time, you know, the different style of, of of the Spanish teams. It was even though I was very very young, and I probably couldn't articulate it well back then. I I, I just got the feeling that. Um, yeah, this suits me more because the Premier League back then was 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 very different to than it is today. It was a lot more direct, a lot more uh, long ball, and and you know fight, fighting for the second balls. Whereas La Liga was was more about the technical skill appreciation. It wasn't just in the end Beckham, but you had P players like uh, Raquel May when he was at Villarreal was incredible to watch when I was growing up, and Jose Antonio Reyes who was played in the Premier League, but mainly at Sevilla, Real Madrid, he played for Atleti as well. And just seeing that different type of, of player, you know, um, and of course, as I um, as I get older and as I'm starting to understand the game better, you then get Pep's Barca and and, and also uh, Charles Atleti, which was a bit different as, as well at the time. And you know, I'm talking about the first title team, uh, you know, when it had, when you had, um, it was the four four two, which I was used to in England, but it was a very different four four two. It was four central midfielders: Coque, Gabi, Tiago, Arda Turan. You had the fullbacks really pushing on Juan Fran, Felipe Luis, Villa, Falcao, Costa, Adrian Lopez, Raúl Garcia. A combination of those guys up front, and I think watching La Liga, and also because the games back then were were more tactical than they were in England. To a point, of course, around that time, you had Mourinho go to Chelsea, Rafa Benitez went to Liverpool, and that improved things a bit a bit as well. Arsene Wenger had had an impact at Arsenal, but Wenger was predominantly 4-4-2 as well. So seeing many different systems and a different style of football, and, and it was just a, a football that I felt I connected with straight away. It was difficult to, to explain it. it. I just was watching games, and it could have been, it was a fletty at that time, because you guys... You know, if Diego Forlan and Aguero are up front, that was just an absolute joy to watch because, you know, top world-class strikers, Reyes and and a few others as well. And, and of course, um, Gus Poyet then manages Brighton and we had a number of Spanish players in the in the team as well. So, you know, we, we took many players either playing in England that were Spanish or from La Liga. You know, uh, Andrea Rolandi, who... Some of your watch listeners may know who um, is a, is a pundit and an analyst an analyst on La Liga TV was a Brighton player. David Lopez, who used to play for Athletic Club, the key one was Vicente, the former Valencia winger, who was just he's the best player I've ever seen play play for Brighton. <laughs> well, that's quite a statement, you know, because given I cannot say I watched Brighton throughout the years as you have done, but Brighton kind of have some quality players at the moment. So if you can say Vicente, which I think most Valencia fans would kind of conjure and also sort of kind of agree, concur, which also I think um, most La Liga fans also agree with you that because he was really, really, really majestical. And if you say that given the amount of players you guys have been able to bring in, like the likes of Callister, you also have Pascal Gross, which is a very intelligent player at the moment. Yeah. And the rest. So, Kelf, um, the AFCON is over, which was kind of great for me because it was kind of fun watching, like, the continental, like the biggest trophy continentally for African football, given I'm an African, and it was the host Ivory Coast who won it. And then you have Simon Adzingra, who was basically the key man in the final for Ivory Coast, and he's a Brighton player. So, Kelf, how do you guys keep on having such players? Because Aletia at the moment really needs to maybe sign some of these players. So, 
what's some of the secrets? I think I've, there are articles out there on how you, the owner, which I think Bloom Tony Bloom has kind of like how you guys like kind of like get these players and now you have this kind of like data in the football where it's like no player is a secret and you guys basically sign a player who I think that will be another player where you guys have 60 plus million for him from his sale because at the AFCON he was kind of really really mesmerizing. When I say mesmerizing, it's because at the AFCON you have stars who basically are in Europe and when they come to Africa, the pitch are kind of muddy, not the best. And then the kind of struggle against, let's say, players from Division 2 in from African countries. So seeing someone playing in Europe and then coming at a very young age and then kind of doing well was kind of really, really good. And it kind of shows the potential he has because at the present AFCON, there were a lot of players who are European-based players who kind of struggled a bit. So, Kelv, do you think he has a bright future and what are some of the secrets Brighton kind of used to kind of sign these players? Well, uh, to start with, uh, with, with Simon, uh, yes, he does. I mean, he's, he's been a very important player for us this season. Some of that conditioned by the fact that we've had a lot of injuries to, to our wingers. So, Simon's probably had to play more than uh, Roberto De Zerbi would have intended. But, you know, but he's been fantastic. He can play on either. He, he mainly has to play on, on the right flank um, for us because of, of, of our Japanese uh, winger, Karri Matoma, who's, who's our main um, left winger, which is a little bit um, probably difficult for Simon because it means that Simon isn't in his best position, which we all know is, is, the, uh, is the left side. And he, he, he showed that uh, with his quality in the AFCON, in the AFCON final. Um, in terms of the Brighton um, recruitment, you're absolutely right that it's mainly data driven. Tony Bloom is a uh, our, our owner who's also uh, from from the uh, from the city of, of Brighton and Hove. He's a he's a, a professional gambler. He's a, he's a poker player, and he takes a lot of what he does there in terms of you know data driven. You know recruitment. We have a, a massive recruitment team led by by David Weir, the former. Um, Everton and, and Rangers defender, and um, he's our head of recruitment. And we we basically we recruit mainly by position. So we don't, you know, a lot of clubs and their scouting networks they'll look maybe in in regions. You know, we, we've done a lot of business in the in the South American region over the last few seasons. But um, my understanding from what Brighton do is they is they have scouts that specifically write your job is to look for goalkeepers. Another scout's job maybe to look for centre backs because it's all built around the, the idea of the style of play for Brighton. So you're not looking necessarily for the best young players. You're looking for the at Brighton. We're looking for players that can play for Brighton over Albion that will fit in what in how we play, which is very possession based. Particularly since the Serbies come in very attack minded, predominantly the same system. Even though we do play a back three, predominantly it's four two three one. So there has to be. But there's also a lot of tactical flexibility. Jack Hinshaw, who's come to our academy this season, is predominantly a midfielder, but he's mainly had to play right back or right wing back. Um, Adingra's had to play as a winger or a wing back. So you, you need a lot of positional versatility. We've got a lot of our strikers that end up having to play the number 10 role, whether that's um, Ansu Fati or, or João Pedro or Evan Ferguson. So it's mainly just about... But also everyone will have their individual plan because sometimes... Like, let's take Adingra as the example. We signed him a couple of years ago and then we loaned him to uh, 
Royal Union Saint Gilois in Belgium, who is actually um, another club that's part owned by Tony Bloom. And then because we knew, we realised when we signed him that he wasn't ready for the Premier League, but he had a year away in Belgium to develop. They were in Europa League, so he got exposure to that, which has been, a, a, I think, a massive support to us this season. And then he ca- he comes back to us in the pre-season. And, you know, I, I remember watching him in pre-season and, and you could see straight away in the in the way he takes people on, the way he uses the ball, his decision-making in the final third. Yes, for the Premier League, the, phys- the physicality is, is still something he'll... he'll um, probably have to, to work on a little bit, but you could see straight away that the quality he had, I knew within about 20 minutes of the first time I saw him in pre-season that he was going to be a, an important part of our squad for the coming season and and future seasons. And, and and the biggest reason why we keep finding these, as you you know, the gem, the young players, is because we're not afraid to sell the current ones if the prices are right. We're not afraid to sell Moises Caicedo to Chelsea, Alexis McAllister to Liverpool, Marco Correa to, to Chelsea the year before. Rob Sanchez to Chelsea, Leandro Trossard to Arsenal, etc. You know, um, it's all about having a pathway for that individual to um, either that we sign and get them into the first team, and also because and or players from our academy, and also Brighton in the last couple of weeks have just signed uh, a Ghanaian, Ibrahim uh, Osimhen from from Norgeland, who's another attacking winger slash striker who's going to come to us. Um, in the summer now that might and that's probably a signal because th- there's the likelihood that Carrie Matoma uh, could leave and maybe even Adinga could attract massive interest because of uh, his his in- fantastic performance in the Afcon tournament especially in the final well Brighton um, <laughs> well Kevin well Brighton keep on doing what they are doing because they are kind of amazing and hopefully Adinga can go on have, go on and have a great career like maybe other Ivorian legends has have had and talking about like buying another swinger from i think you said northern which basically has that thing it's not really from not really surprising to most that um they kind of like are like the gateway for talents to kind of leave africa and then come to europe through the right to dream academy in ghana which is basically a fantastic partnership which you have other clubs like i think mets and general some food in senegal so you kind of have those partnerships, and I believe basically, maybe it's because I'm biased as an African, but I believe Africa is basically the future for for football, especially given for European football, where a lot of things depend on the quality of the players you buy and you have. So those who can basically make the most of those players who are here basically will be the ones who kind of like be at the top, because I think buying players from Brazil has become more expensive than it was before, and then you also have the Asian market, which you guys are. Mitoma is just one of those, and you think the Premier League you have, I think, Kwan Chang of, I think, Wolves, and then you have Sun. So the Asian market is basically becoming another area where teams can kind of dig into. So, Kelf, thanks for the info on Brighton, and now we dig deep into Aleti. Well, Aleti kind of does back to back defeats in the league this season, and then Aleti's 28 game home on beating run, which was a run in which only Getafe had come to the Metropolitano and take away a point and not be defeated. And then the run started from last January where Aleti lost at home 1-0 to Barca and then it was ended in the first leg of the Copa de Rey by Aleti Club, which uh, wasn't really great. And then um, Kelf talking about um, the Aleti Club game, it was kind of a game of both halves because 
I think the first half, Atletico kind of started well, but then they did not really, I would say, they started well, which is not a surprise for her. Let's start the game in the first half at home, but they did not really take advantage of it. And then the penalty pops up, Berenguer converts from the spot, which was basically a false error from Renildo, and that was thanks to Atletico's club press, which we are going to get into. And then Atletico from there, Atletico club kind of defended brilliantly, though Atletico had some really, really decent chances, but they could not take the chances. And it's now three games, and Atleti has more than 40 shots with just a single goal. So, Kelf, let's talk about the Atleti club game before heading to the Sevilla game. Kelf, what do you think Atleti club kind of did so well in the first half that despite if you no know, in football, when you score a goal, it's very natural for the opponent to react. And in those moments where you are just from scoring, it is also easy. I think in the next five to ten minutes to kind of concede. What do you think Atleti club do so well in that first half to kind of go into the halftime with the league? Well, I have to. Uh, I have to be honest. I didn't majorly see the game because it wasn't on 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 TV over here. But um, I know Athletic Club well enough to to know. And 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 probably the key thing you meant you already mentioned is for the fact of of how good they are at, at pressing. They're probably the one of the, if not the best pressing uh, team in in La Liga. And they just they they found a way of being competitive, being difficult to to play against. And as you said, you guys had a had a lot of chances and couldn't quite couldn't quite take them on uh, on that night. But it was never going to be um, it was never going to be easy for you guys because Athletic Club are always competitive, and particularly when they have uh, uh, or a Sunset, both Williams on on the flanks. Then they're not just a threat when that four have the ball. They're so good without it. They're understanding when to close down, when not to close down, the timing of of the pressing, because you can, Gurazeta, for example, can, can press as much as you like, and he can do it quite well. But if he doesn't have the support from behind, it's easy for any team in the world to play around that. So you have to, you have to be patient and to, and to target it. And, and I think Athletic Club, maybe not just not in that individual game, but in the other games do that, do that really, really well. Valverde is, is fantastic. I think at, at setting pressing traps, like at, at identifying in, in the build-up of the opposition, maybe who's slightly weaker, who doesn't bring the ball out as well, or who's more inclined, even if you close them down, that they're just going to play the ball more forward because generally they have tall centre-backs who will compete and win in the air. Not the easiest thing to do, particularly against uh, uh, against Morata, whose who, whose biggest strength is uh, is the quality he has uh, in his heading ability. Well, Kev, like you said, uh, Maletti Club are basically one of the best pressing teams in La Liga, if not the world. And they kind of like there were moments I think in the first half where they kind of press when Maletti kind of struggled, or they kind of like you see the pressing trap. You said they were like comfortable in forcing Maletti to build on the right hand. You and I know the problems Aleti have down the right when it comes to build-up because on the right-hand side of Aleti, you kind of have players who are not so good under pressure. You have players who are very good at attacking space in the likes of Molina, Lorente, and then you have the likes of Savic, who is not the best at the, on the ball under pressure, but very good when it comes to being aggressive and closing down the opposition. And they kind of succeeded in doing that, and they kind of like forced a lot of build-up on that side, which kind of meant Aleti had a lot of turnovers, mm-hmm. and then the goal came from them forcing like um, them forcing Renewdo with the turnover, which 
we'll get into that when we're talking about um, Hermoso and Renudo and when Chucholo use one of them. And then the Aleti's best chances of the game actually came when Aleti were able to like use the ball and cook it. They were like playing in close proximity. And then you have like a ping pong pass, and then Koke was able to switch play to the other side, which is basically a trademark move for Aleti when they are able to find Koke facing the opponent goal, but it was not easy this time because majority of the times he was under pressure. So in the second half, Cholo brought on Hemoso, which kind of changed him because Hemoso kind of have the, the freedom of movement where he's able to join in midfield, that's providing passing lanes, disrupting the opponent's shape with his movement, and he did that, and then things were kind of more easy for Aleti, and Aleti could easily pin back Aleti Club when Aleti Club tried to press because Hemoso offers something different from Renewdo. So, Kelv, that was the first leg defeat. So, Alitic basically have to win 2-0. I think, because I think the Copa de, sorry, in the Copa de Rio, you have away goal. So, two goals, Alitic scored two goals and San Mames, then a chance to maybe go to the next round. But Alitic club at San Mames, I forced to break on with because the only team who has won at San Mames this season is Real Madrid. And that was on the first day of this, the beginning of the season. So, that's not an easy job for Alitic. So, Kelv, do you think Alitic has a chance to basically turn this around? Uh, of course you have a chance because of, of, of the quality you have. But as you said, it's going to be very difficult to go to, to San Mamez. Athletic are incredible at home at the moment. Um, as I said, pr- providing that if, if it'll be a very difficult task for you if, if the four I mentioned earlier are fit. If, if Sunset, the Williams brothers and, and Gurazetta all play, it's going to be very difficult. But if, if you get the first goal, if if you start better and maybe start a bit more on the front foot, which maybe this circumstances, I know it's a bit of a 50-50 thing because, of course, you the, the one thing you, you cannot afford to do is concede early either. But I think you, you've got to go for it. You've got to try and disrupt um, Athletic. And, and if you can play through their pressure, whether that's playing wide or getting either Koke or in particular Barrios and DePaul, if you can get them on the ball as often as possible if they play in this game, if they play in the second leg, then then you can do something because, you know, you, you have very, very good players. You have good players, particularly in the top end of the pitch, that have a lot of quality in their passing, whether it is DePaul, Barrios, Griezmann, Memphis has the ability when he drops deep to to play killer passes forward to, let's say, Molina or, or Lino or Raquel because he's rotating the wing-backs on, on the left side. Well, Kev, like you said, in fo- it's football and there's always a chance and we're giving the quality Aliti has, then Aliti has a chance. But that would be, in my opinion, depending on how Aliti are fresh for the game because the fixtures have not been favouring Aliti at the moment and Aliti has tried to complain to the league and the federation it's no avail and that's kind of really, really, really showing in the players. And it's also down to Cholo because he has like 14 or 15 players in which he rotates despite the fact that the squad is a little bit bigger even though there's a drop in quality when he kind of like changes the lineup. We saw that against Rayo, but he has to take those chances so that those players can be fresh for key games because in the new year, Griezmann has really, really been struggling. And there's a key thing you mentioned there that we have to start on the front foot and that's a problem for us because Aleti at the beginning of the show, I, sorry, some few members later, I talked about back-to-back losses. And the first was against Aleti Club and the next against Sevilla, which was at this Ramos against Pichuan. Aleti has lost six games this season and all of those six games have come away from home. That's really, really staggering because at home, Aleti are almost near perfect. But away from home, it's a different thing. And 
you said we have to start a game on the front foot, but against Sevilla, that wasn't the case, and not just against Sevilla, but that was a team for Aleti, which are kind of like reactionary, where they kind of start slow, and when they open and have like two or three chances, and they basically take one of those chances, then you have Aleti coming to life, which is something Morata has talking about, spoken about, or Black, same, even Cholo himself has spoken about. So, Kev, on the Sevilla game, what do you think, apart from maybe, or Aleti starting slow, what do you think were some of the things that Sevilla did very well in that game? Well, Sevilla were were, the, were probably particularly in the, the the first half were probably the best they've been arguably all all season, maybe even since their Super Cup uh, UEFA Super Cup game against Manchester City all the way back in back in August. They were they were more uh, aggressive. They were more direct. You know, Isaac Romero was was fantastic. His partnership with uh, with Enziri they they matched you in a way. Uh, in, in terms of the system, both because both teams played three-five-two, five-three-two, depending on um, you know a Campos you know, being that more winger on the left wing back, and Navas being the more uh, more natural to to the wing back role on on the other side. So a Campos had a lot of opportunities to uh, to get forward. It, but it was a very end-to-end game, even in that first half, where I don't think Atleti actually played or, or or starting well. You guys had a had a couple of good chances. Morata had a header that hit the post. I know it was flagged for for off for offside in the end, but he looked to be just on. So VAR probably would have intervened and, and given you guys a goal if he'd scored. And yeah, I just think that Sevilla were just more aggressive. Um, one more of the fifty fifty battles in particularly in in the midfield. Uh, Koke didn't play well and probably for the first time in a very long time Barrios didn't play well at all in the first half either I think that was probably part of the reason why he was taken off at um, at half time but second half you you guys had had really good chances um, and and there was a response in the second half because you were by far better Sevilla weren't really a threat on on the counter attack at all so defensively you were a bit more organised and you didn't deserve to lose against Sevilla. Uh, you probably deserved uh, a draw. Cause I, I don't think you guys did enough to win it. But as I said, Murat had a couple of chances in the first half. I can remember a clear 1v1 um, for Memphis in the second half after a fantastic pass, I think, by DePaul. And that he probably should have taken, but he, he shot well wide. So, um, yeah, it's just that. That missing that aggression, missing that bit of sharpness, because as you said, he's Ch- uh, Charlo's trying to uh, balance everything and, and 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 rotate the team as much as possible. But it has you know it hasn't been easy because he's had players coming back from injury, and of course, as you said as, as, at the start, Murata's now out for a couple of weeks, so we'll have to see how you guys cope with that. But you've still got lots of lots of options. Well, Kev, um, you talked about um, the fact that Aleti created some chances, but could not take the chances. And according to Aletico, Aletico Stats, which is a, a page on um, Twitter, which is now X, which provides um, statistics concerning Aleti, said until this, until the, until the second, uh, sorry, until February, Aleti were the second most effective team in the Europe Top 5 leagues. But since then, Aleti are now the 81st, which kind of says that we have no more being effective. I think this was an issue when we discussed about it last, I think last season, the fact that um, Aleti created chances, which was, is a good sign that you are creating chances. But the thing is, 
this is basically let's say this is where you need to put the icing of the cake because this is basically the moment where this is like the key moment of your season this month of february because it kind of determines if like you go trophyless or your season ends here and then you can start maybe just preparing for next season because if i let it get knocked out of the champions league this month get knocked out of the copa the way then they are left with just champion league qualification for next season so Atleti are being effective, being less effective as I would probably say the worst time in the season. Because, like you said, there was a goal line, there was a Morata, the 1v1, there was also a goal line clearance from Navas from a Griezmann flick. And yeah. then you have the same thing against Atleti Club. So, like at the moment, we are creating the chances, but we are not actually taking them, which is really, really, really sad. Hopefully, the, we can be effective against. Las Palmas, who basically this weekend have a Superman in Vales in goal. It's basically, I will not say near impossible, but it's very tough to score against because some of the saves he's producing are just great and he's overperforming. That's he's like basically kept more than six goals, prevented more than six goals, which says caliber of how what he has done and also says how he's vital to how Las Palmas play, which the team already play this weekend. So, um, Kev, what do you th- I think we have talked about this before, but do you think? There are some things Cholo need to do tactically or the players need to do mentally to kind of change how Aleti approach away games. Because we know away from Spain, there are not a lot of traveling fans like it's in the case in England or in Germany or even in Italy. In Spain, I think the average amount of like traveling fans is basically 300, which is basically peanuts as compared to that of, say, Germany or compared to that of, say, um, Italy or England. But we are gradually improving, and I think that's basically down to the fact how the fact this how Spain is. So, do you think Cholo needs to improve tactically away from home, or the players need to get themselves like ready for those a hostile atmospheres like the Sanchez Pichuan was this past weekend? Um, I personally think it's more to do with with with, with mentality than necessarily tactically. Because when I go when I think about the, the severe game. There was nothing massively tactically wrong. As I said earlier, it was more for the fact that the aggression was missing, particularly in that first half. I, I was just reading the notes I wrote on that game. I can't remember any Atleti player winning a 50-50 battle in the first half. You have to be competitive. Away from home, difficult places, a severe... Hasn't really been this season. I think before they beat you guys at the weekend, they hadn't won their previous 10 home games or something like that. But it's the atmospheres. Um, yeah. As you said, the, the, the La Liga thing with the away fans is improving. It, it's not going to happen overnight because the, the biggest difference, particularly in comparison to Germany or England, it's about culture. You know, growing up in um, in England, it's a culture that you go to away games. Um, it's not a culture so much in Spain, even though I do think over the last 18 months or so, probably since the World Cup, there definitely has been has been an improvement, and that was and that is evident to see at not all grounds, but but most of them. And I just think it's more mentality. I think it's more that you know the starts are slow, particularly against Real Madrid. You dropped right off, allowed them to to have the ball. I think maybe there's a fear of conceding early, and but but you but the quality you guys have got. There has to be, I think, playing a little bit higher up the pitch, being a bit more aggressive to to win the ball back. And also to m- maybe some of your centre-backs, particularly uh, Hamoso, because he has the ability to, to be braver and to really 
play difficult passes because as long as as long as the structure's there with the right numbers, which you're going to have predominantly with a back three, you're going to have numbers back to deal with the transition. Um, but also when you've got the quality that Hamoso has, in my opinion, he wouldn't he won't give the ball away that often for you to worry about it too much. And I think DePaul has been a, a mega improvement in the last couple of months. I think he's probably arguably been your maybe second or third best player. His quality on on, on the ball has been much yeah. better. And when you've been able to find him in spaces, sometimes maybe he's dropping too deep. So maybe Charlo can say to him, that, no, no, you've got to play higher at the pitch, play closer to Griezmann, allow Koke to be the one that gets it off the back three or play wide, play wider, maybe quicker maybe work on that switch of play more. Maybe let's say the ball's on, on on the right. I know we've spoken quite a bit about, as you said, the quality on the on the on the ball on the right isn't great. But if you can drag the opposition across, play three or four passes, play it to Koke, because Koke has the ability and switches it to Lino or Raquelme on the left side. And then you can open teams up that way. But I, I think it's more to do with the mentality and I think it's more to do with the start. I think there's got to be a quicker start, more aggression in the start higher pressing and and, and that's just competing better winning winning duels winning headers and and putting the opposition under 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 real pressure yeah exactly Kelf. i agree with what you've said because i think at times especially away from home we kind of play slower the last palmas game is basically evident to that and if we're a little bit more faster then i think we would have created one or two chances from their high line which was basically recommend making a run and then the passers kind of picking him out late. So that's maybe something we work on and also mentally because like you've said and I've said, it does away games in Spain is not kind of easy given that the travelling fans are not much and then the home fans kind of make it a hell given that the brilliant atmospheres they create in La Liga the most of the stadiums, which is kind of great. So um Kelf um did Sevilla defeat Gabriel uh, Paulista made his debut, which was a centre back Aleti signed from uh, Valencia on a free because um, Jose Maria Jimenez was injured. So he had a good debut, which was kind of good, and even Chulo himself said that uh, he kind of like liked what he did and also happy with the way he play, played. And then he did what was asked of him. So Kelf, can you tell us some some of the things Gabriel um, kind of did well, and he played as the right centre back. So. Do you think um, going forward, he's going to like let's say have an urge over like Savage because Savage is, is at the moment the one who plays on the right and some of the impacts we can expect, some of the things we can expect from him if he continues playing there. Well, um, first of all, Gabriel is a is a good defender. He's he's an experienced defender. He's he's played in in La Liga and in the Premier League. And we, we saw elements of his quality. Um, I don't think it was... Uh, I think he played well. Um, it's probably it's probably going to take a couple of games to adjust, not necessarily to uh, Atleti, but for the fact that, of course, predominantly throughout his career, he's played um, um, in teams that play with two centre-backs rather than, than three. And as you said, um, he, he was mainly on the right, but he did it on occasion sometimes, I noticed, play... The middle centre back role, which I actually think would be his best role, that's just in my opinion. I think that's his best role in in your in your back three. But I think he he did well. It, it was never going to be easy up against Romero and in particular Enzeri because Enzeri is always um, a handful for whoever has to defend against him. He's very competitive. He's always making runs in behind, 
and and is very good in the air, which Gabriel is as well. But I think you can expect his quality, his experience. You know, he'll he'll understand very quickly what what Cholo wants from him, and I think he just needs uh, what which I think he'll get. He'll just need a run of games to just understand, you know, playing in the back three, where in the back three, if it's in the middle more or on the right more, what, what where Cholo wants to put him, because he did a little bit of both in the, in the severe game. He, he rotated a, a couple of times with, with, with Witzel. So it's just a case of, I think, him understanding his role. But I think he's going to have a positive impact. His experience is going to be important. He's, he's also had quite a bit of Champions League experience, so I don't think Cholo should have any worries about playing him in the in, in the Inter Milan game if he thinks that's the best um, option to do. And and the fact that, you know, he's played in La Liga for, for many, many years means that, you know, with some players like with Vermalian, uh, uh, the midfielder you guys have brought in, the young, uh, the young midfielder from Belgium, that we all know that he's going to need that time to adapt, the patience needed to adapt to La Liga, adapt to the language and to the culture. Whereas not just, I'm not saying it's just because he's older, but Gabriel has played in this league for many, many years. So uh, he, uh, Cholo will know, and the Aveti, and, you, and all you guys will know that Gabriel can go straight into the team with no, with no real problems. Well, Kev, certainly hope that, um, like you said, um, you think his best position is basically the centre of the centre back. That's because he comes from playing from a two at the back system at Valencia, basically for the whole of his Valencia career. He had Marcelino four four two. After that was Bodala more of the same and mm-hmm. Baraha. And then um, coming to Aliti is basically something different because we have a back three, like you have said. And um, at the center center back position, that would be interesting because basically Aliti will basically have three players who are actually fighting for that position. Because Jose Maria Jimenez is at the best when he plays centrally. Savage, sorry, um, Witzel, same, and now you have Gabriel. But Witzel have played well on a couple of times when he plays out um, wide. Even though he does not really have the legs, but he has the brain and anticipation to kind of close down those key areas. But having him one on one with some of the tricky wingers in the league, like for example, say against Alberto Molero, will not be great. Um, Kelf, um, we now move on. It's been, uh, I think it's been 2024 has been very, very slow for Antoine Grisman. It's true, he's break the record for, for goals. Scored in Aliti and it's basically Aliti's he's Aliti's legendary scorer at the moment. But he has gone one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games without scoring a goal in La Liga. His last goal came against Real Madrid at home in the four-two win for Aliti in the quarterfinals of the Copa del Rey. And some of his performances have been underwhelming. When we say underwhelming, it's really, really been not Griezmann-like. And I think, and for my opinion, is due to the fact that he's not been fresh because he's basically the four with the most minutes played in the Europe Top 5 League this season. So, Kelv, do you think it's only the... How can I say? Is it, do you think Griezmann is not at his best because he's not... He's basically played almost every game for Aliti and France this season? Or do you think there's some other reason to that? Um... I, th- I think the main reason is is, is tiredness, um, because as you said, he's played pretty much started nearly all of the Athletic games, probably minus a, a couple in the early rounds of the Copper, and the only game I can remember him not starting recently in the Liga was your home win against Rio. Um, and tiredness is is definitely uh, definitely a factor, particularly at, at at the age that him and and Koke are at. It's not going to be easy to keep playing week in, week out, particularly when you've got the quality that you guys have. 
but of course, Coque and 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 Antoine are, are so important to the way you guys play that Cholo wants to keep playing them, playing them, and playing them. He has been a little bit quieter in recent games, but I think it's more tiredness. Um, as I said, I, I don't think he's necessarily playing badly. You know, he's he's still very creative. He he still puts in quality crosses in quality crosses into the box or passes to to help open the uh, opposition opposition up but but I think it's one of those that you know Antoine there will be a response from him hopefully it, hopefully there'll be a better performance if he starts at, at the weekend because he, he he made this Cholo may decide with the because I think am I right in saying that it, you've got into Milan next week yeah we've got into next week at San Siro yeah, at San Siro, so he he may decide to to, to maybe have one of Koke or, or Antoine maybe from the start on the bench with that, but he may decide. But of course, your situation and uh, competing with Girona, Athletic, and all the others for top four, he may feels that because maybe he'll go down the route of because we're at home, we start better at home if we can get a couple in front. He may take people, but as you said, Las Palmas are uh, are very good, and Valles is is having an incredible season, so it won't be easy. But I just, you know, uh, I, I just think it's more tiredness. Um, I don't see him. I, I see the effort there from Antoine because he always gives everything, as does as does Coque. And I just think it's it's just tiredness. It's lack of sharpness. And just that little bit, that that little bit extra that was there at the beginning of the season is just maybe maybe missing a bit. But you know, uh, they're both still two of your most important players, and I have no doubt that they're still going to be. Uh, their form will will come back towards the end of the season, and hopefully, um, hopefully, we'll we'll see uh, better results because of it. Yeah, okay. Like you said, I think it's basically just down to tiredness and not maybe some other thing like psychologically or tactically. Because the best version, one of the best version of Atlantis, Maria's analytics was basically in 2023, and we can all recall that in 2023, we were basically out of all competition. Atlantis were playing just for top four finish in La Liga, and then the start of the season, the Champions League had not yet started, even the cup. So, yeah, Kerf. Um, moving on, um, Morata was basically injured in the game against Sevilla, and we all feared it's a hamstring, in, hamstring injury and he will be out for the season. But luckily, it was not really, really that bad and he will miss three weeks. Wish him a speedy recovery. So, Kerf, how do you think Morata's um, absence will kind of affect the way Atleti play? And also, that obviously implies that Memphis basically has a starting role at the moment. But Memphis is also not someone Atleti can maybe rely on, not for the fact that he's not good, but for the fact that he has his injury record both at Aleti and also his previous club Barca. So how do you think Morata's absence affect Aleti and the impact Memphis can have starting majority of the games from here in the next three weeks? Uh, well uh Memphis I think gives you the ability to to keep the ball better in the final third. because uh, Mem- Memphis likes to to drop deep more and 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 to play closer to to Griezmann and and to to the other midfielders and to you know to be more associated to link up with them with them more so there's there's probably better control of of the ball in in the final third or even just in that in that midfield because as I've said he likes to drop and there's less obviously there's less of a, of a threat aerially so if you go wide and put lots of uh, crosses into the box 
defenses will probably find that easier to cope with with with, with Morata not playing. But there may be it may there may be more you know passes between the lines, maybe Memphis dropping deep, receiving the ball, quick turn, or you know he does like that little flick over the defenders when he knows the defenders right close to him, the little flick over and getting shots off that way. So I think that I think there's better quality of the ball um, in the final third and, and in those sorts of areas. And But you also have uh, Correa, who, who's, who's obviously going to get maybe not more starts because if Memphis is fit, he will play uh, up front with, 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 with Griezmann. But, but with the fact that they have that less attacking option, that mean, it does mean that I think Correa has the opportunity to play, to, to, to play more um, up front and we all know the qualities that Angel has. He's dynamic, likes to take people on. He's a bit more uh, of a runner in behind. So if if Chalo's looking at the the inter game, let's say for example, and he feels he needs someone to to be making runs in behind, you, you're going to get that more naturally from Correa than you are from from Memphis. So, but of course, Morata will be a loss because he's had a very very good season. Um, his best season, I think, goal-wise for this stage of the season that he's had in his career. Of course, his form hasn't been great in in week in in recent weeks, but that 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 can be the same thing. You know that 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 is Morata in a way. He, he does go through spells where he's a little bit, you know, that 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 touch and that composure in front of goal is sometimes is sometimes missing. But the quality options you have there is. Um, in, in back up to him is, is is still fantastic and and as I said you've got different options so you know because we all know Griezmann will start but you know Cello does have that opportunity of of going right we, we can we can start with one and bring the other on and the opposition then have to have to really plan in a way for two different types of, of strikers. Yeah I think like you have rightly said with Memphis we have for like against like lower blocks you kind of have a lot of like intricate playing at the top of the box because of how good he is at linking up with bringing his teammate into play and also his quality and his whole up play which is something Cholo admires the most and you have also said with Morata gone then I think kind of makes like team maybe prepare easier for us given that they will be preparing to face just Memphis they will not know if we are going to face Morata with his runs in behind or we are just going to face like Memphis and then with his whole up play but then still then it's not going to be easy and um, Kelf, um, I think one of the issues uh, Memphis have had a little is due to the fact that he has like I want to do it all. I think if he can simplify his game and then like maybe do more like a striker, which I don't think I think that's part of his personality, like the all-round game, the whole lot drop into midfield link up. But I think at certain moments he has to like recognize that his role in Adalit is basically playing as a nine. So if he can like simplify his game again, I think he can score some goals, also provide some assists because. He's very, very good, but then I think there are some like areas in his game which needs to improve, which is basically maybe him not getting to carry it away when he does some tricks and he comes off and then not being aware of like the situation and his teammates around him. But I still then I think he's a good player. So Kelf, um we have to talk about him also and Renudo because that's basically a position where you have a guy Renudo, when he's in the team, he improves a latest out of possession game. And he kind of offers a little to kind of like play higher up the pitch knowing that they are someone with good recovery who can basically do a lot for them out when they don't have the ball but then you have another player Hemoso, which i think this is not familiar to this is sorry this is not 
so surprised to Atleti fans. They know what he provides, that his quality on the ball. He can basically split open defenses with his passes. He can drive forward with the ball. He can recognize issues and then step into midfield. But Hermoso is not so good out of position. So it's like what Hermoso is good at, Renudo is not so good at. What Renudo is good at, Hermoso is not so good at. So do you think um, there should be games where Cholo should start Hermoso and games where Cholo should start Renudo? And if so, which are those type of games? Um, well, um, as you said it, really, if, if there's games that Cholo feels that his side will will have, you know, 60, 70% of the ball, then Hermoso, um, for the reasons you rightfully said, and I think, as you said, on the ball, I think he's had a, a very good season. Um, as you said, his quality, not just his passing, but his quality when he has the space to drive into it and and really commit defenders, which I think is important, particularly uh, in, in a team that has a back three because you, you automatically have an extra defender. So you need a defender that steps into, into midfield that can allow then particularly uh, Lino or Raquel May to, to really push on. And as you said, Ronaldo has... Um, I mean, I was a big fan of Ronaldo, but I have to say, I, I think when you factor in the big injury that he's had and the long injury he's had, the way he's come back has been absolutely brilliant. I know, I think he was away at AFCON for a bit as well, which helped. But I think Ronaldo has been absolutely brilliant. Um, so, yeah, I think it's one of those. Um, in games that you know that, that, you, that you're really going to dominate the ball and, and control the game, then, then it's Camoso. If there's games that you think you need that that extra defender, you need to be a bit more solid and and have someone that's, you know, as you said, a better defender, gives the defence more confidence, allows the team to play a little bit higher up the pitch because, as, as you mentioned, they have someone that they trust behind and you play Ronaldo. Um, there may even be occasions where he can play both of them. Um, even though the actual idea of that is fantastic, but the only downside is in the back three, both of their best position is the left centre-back. You know, uh, would it be too risky to play one of them in the middle? I don't know, but it, but it is something that Cholo could look at because for the reasons you've mentioned, they're both, I think, important players that if they can, if there is a way to be found to get them both in the team, then that, then that should be then that should at least be be looked into, even if it can't work and and we're having the discussion that we're having now that it's it's one or the other depending on the type of game you're gonna have and, and the quality of the opposition that you're up against. Well, Kev, I think you have you have like really hit the bullseye with that because I think Jolo kind of like I would say got it wrong with Renido because he played Renido in the when I say got it wrong, you got it wrong by starting Renudo in the Copa de Rey game against um, Athletic Club. And his reason was that um, mm-hmm. Renudo was going to go up against Iñaki. And we know Athletic are playing at home, they will have more of the ball. And then in open space, we all know how Iñaki is very, very delicate. Piquet can testify to that. So it's true, Renudo kind of won the duel against Athletic Club, but for much of the game, Athletic Club do not do a lot of attacking. Which kind of meant that Aleti had now to be from the back facing Aleti's club press. And then Renudo is not so good on the ball. And there were moments where his choice of passes were not the best. Because if he, for example, there was a sequence, I think, if I'm not mistaken, around the 25th minute where Koke is open in the middle and then he opts for a switch of play. Which if the pass is playing to Koke, he basically draws players 
towards Koke because of how Aleti Club are so other mounds are blocking the middle, keeping the things compact or shots or shutting down spaces centrally, which now open spaces where Renilo was supposed to we wanted to play the pass to. So I think like you have said, it all depends on who we are facing and where we are playing. And I think him also his on the ball qualities are very, very good, but off the ball we all know he struggles and renew the same. But now like the reverse is true. So hopefully Cholo finds the balance and plays which player where in the game where will kind of benefit the team. And I'm not be surprised if let's say Renudo starts away at San Siro next next week, next minimum next week, and then you have um, at the home return leg at home, then he also plays. So Kelf, um, you basically come to the end and basically this is one of my favorite parts and I hope you are prepared. Aleti faced Las Palmas this weekend and Aleti kind of lost against Las Palmas last, oh, sorry, on the first leg of the game and now it's a return leg at the Civitas Metropolitano. That was basically the first time Aleti has lost to Las Palmas in over 28 years. So Kelf, so um, I hope you're ready. Are you ready? Uh, yes, I have no idea what's, what's going to happen, but uh, I'm as ready as I'm, I'm going to be. Okay, so as I said, Aleti face plus Palmas this weekend. The game is basically, quiz is basically on that. So, Kelf, um, if I'm to, uh, the first question, uh, can you name um, the top goal scorer in this fixture? <laughs> wow. Um... <laughs> So you guys haven't faced faced each other much in recent years because Las Palmas have been in the Segunda. Um, Griezmann. Well, Griezmann is the second top goal scorer with six goals, but the highest is Aletis. Is the person Griezmann surpassed with his goal against Real Madrid in Saudi Arabia? Oh, uh, Luis Aragones. Yeah, Luis Aragones, nine goals. Oh, not bad. The next question, which I think might be tougher than you think, um, name... Five players who have played for both Aleti and Las Palmas. Hmm. Vitolo? Oh, for sure. Because, of course, uh, I think you guys loaned him to Las Palmas as well, and he's from... uh... Who else has there... Who else has there been? Uh, Vitolo, there's obviously others. Um, he, had, um, he was um, just a hint, okay. He was um, the captain of um, let me not say captain, but um, he, he played for he's an attacking midfielder and he played for them when they were in the segunda. I don't think that would be over that. Jonathan Vieira, uh, no, 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 he never played for a Fletty, did he? No, yeah, I think that's a tough one. Ah, uh, he's Oscar Clemente, he's um, from Maliti Academy. Then as for the others, you have... Um, oh, cool. Mar- yeah, I know, I, know, I know Oscar Clemente, yes. So. Mm. Yeah, I remember he was uh, in your academy. Um, um, what else has there been? Yeah, this one is really tough. It's not easy? <laughs> no, it's not. I'm trying to think of... I'm going through their 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 really good side that I remember under Kike Setien, but none of them apart from Vitolo played for Atleti. Yeah, it's, yeah, I cannot think of any others at the moment. <laughs> okay, you have uh, Marco Moreno, who is centre back. Um, you have um, Pedro Perez, 
I think we left um, free transfer, and then you have Hector Hernandez. Okay, fair enough. One of those names really popular. Well, so far, no, not bad. Um, Gelf, um, can you name, um, sorry, um, when was the last time Las Palmas defeated Aleti at home? Sorry, the scoreline. I mean, that should be easier. It was during the 2017 season. It was in the Copa del Rey. Oh, uh, oh. Sorry, yeah, I, 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 no, I remember the game. I'm just trying to remember the, the scoreline. I, I remember the game. Oh, I remember it as well. Oh, what was it? Was this um, Atlas Palmas or Atleti? No, it was at Atleti. It was at the Vincent. It was, sorry, it was at the... And Calderon? The, yeah. Oh, which one? I'm going to go... Was it 3-2 Las Palmas? Yeah, well, <laughs> it was. Yeah, I, I remember. I remember the game. I, I do remember the game because it was, you know, it was a big thing at that time. Las, even though Las Palmas were having a a great season that year in La Liga, it was still a big thing for them to have uh, gone to the to the Calderon and won. So uh, I did remember the game when you said it, but it was it was in the back of my back of my brain. I couldn't quite uh, remember the the scoreline, and suddenly it jumped into my head. Oh, that was great. Aleti won the first leg 2-0 and then lost at home 3-2, despite Griezmann opening the scoring. So the next question is, what's the biggest defeat in this fixture? Blimey. Um, <laughs> okay, I will say, okay, what's five the biggest? Nil? Uh, five new ones. I know you're talking about the recent game where Gamero scored. I think Gamero, is that the game Gamero scored a hat trick where it was that same season where Las Palmas were having a brilliance in 2017. But that's not it. It's actually 9 0. 9 0, right. Yeah, in the 50s. Yeah. In the 50s. All oh, right, in the 50s. Now I, uh, <laughs> now I, uh, I, 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 I don't know that far back between Avletti and Las Palmas, but. No, I remember you won. I remember you won. Was it five or six nil? You won in Las Palmas one year. Yeah, that was busy. Uh, yeah, that was the game. I think yeah, like Gamero scored a hat trick that day. Yes, I think Carrasco scored as well. If my memory serves me. Oh, sorry. Might have been a different. Sorry, Griezmann scored a brace. Then um, you had a goal from you had two goals from Griezmann. I think there was another from uh, from Gamero. Sorry, from Nick Saul. Then Thomas and. And the rest of the bench, yeah, I can recall. Thomas scored late. Oh, oh, yeah. Thomas, yeah, yeah. I, I can recall the game because I think it's available on YouTube for La Liga and I was kind of watching the game because I was looking for games for that brilliant Las Palmas side. And unfortunately for me, I fought on. I fell on one which a little kind of run. Riot. So, um, the last but not the least, uh, can you name uh, like two players which have like like a transfer, two players which have been either bought by Aleti from Las Palmas or bought or gone to Las Palmas from Aleti. I think it should be easy. Uh, uh, Vitolo? Yes, yeah, that's the first. So you have to pick five names I gave you. You have to pick from the five names I gave you at the start. The first question. Yeah, I know. I'm trying to remember the other names you gave me. Uh, Hector Hernandez? Um, yep. Wow. Yeah. 
he yeah. left uh Aliti bought him from Las Palmas for two million. Hmm. Bad. How much did Vitolo cross? About twenty or thirty, wasn't it? No, we bought Vitolo from Sevilla for that amount, then we loaned him to Las Palmas. Oh, you bought him from Sevilla. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I forgot. I forgot Vitolo. Well, I knew Vitolo was at Sevilla, but I uh, I forgot. Oh, yeah, because you bought him during your transfer ban, wasn't it? So he couldn't play. Yeah, exactly. Well, you, loaned so- Las- you loaned him to Las Palmas because he couldn't play for you guys for six months. Exactly. Wow. Your memory is better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not bad. I think you answered all except, I think, two questions. So. That's great. So I think all the quizzes I think you have participated, you have had above average. So wow. I don't think if I was in your place, I would even have two of the answers. <laughs> now the recent the recent ones I can as I said, the 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 three two one I I knew it straight away, I remembered it. It was just getting the, the right score line because of course when you uh particularly with other La Liga things, when, when you're playing team, when teams play each other every year, you you, have, you can have the tendency to, to kind of merge the seasons or be like, oh no, it wasn't that 2016, it was the 2018 season or whatever. So that can happen. So, so yeah, but yeah. Welcome, it was another great episode discussing Alixi and some La Liga stuff with you. Yeah, it was absolutely, absolutely brilliant, uh, as they always are. Yeah, so I wish Brighton the best in the future, and hopefully um, you guys can get a hold or basically keep most of your players this coming summer. It was great to see you guys lose a lot of players in January. Yeah, I mean, it'd be very difficult for us, particularly with, uh, I think, with a couple of them, Kadrimitoma, Gio Pedro, but We'll see what what happens, but uh, you know, um, as I said to you, uh, I've said to you many times, I, and I, as we were saying before we started this, you know, uh, I'm already accepting the fact that top players could go, and I'm already accepting the fact that at some point in the in the near future, Roberto De Zerbi will will have an offer and will probably go as well. Well, Brighton are always good at replacing or even foreseeing those who leave and replacing them on time. So i'm guessing that oh, yeah, guys... there's, there's already a plan in place for all of those departures uh oh. part of that is the reason of ibrahim Osimin coming in because all the, even though everyone's saying oh brilliant another one the first thing in my head is right we've signed you because someone's probably going in the summer well um hopefully you guys keep on doing that and hopefully maybe a little or two when it concerns transfers because we haven't addressed our issues for years now and that was basically the topic of the last but, um, but... I, I, I think you're heading in that direction, particularly after buying, uh, providing that the young um, Vermalian, the young Belgian midfielder works, you're heading in that direction because you signed someone that I have no doubt would have been on Brighton's radar before you got him. Well, Gov, um, according to the rumours, or according to what was clarified I'm on with, uh, which is a fair enough player, was just another player who on many European, big European teams' radar, and then... I think he did not come because basically of the fact that the Euros and he was not sure of playing time. And he came out and he said that um, he did not really have a lot of say in it and it was between the two clubs. So at least could not find an agreement. Fair enough. But well, it seems we are getting there, but we are going for players which basically we don't need. And then the centre back issue is there. So well, that's the topic for another. That was a topic for another day, and we talked about that. But hopefully, like 
Atleti can keep on in line because we need to improve in certain areas. And some of the rumors are not really great. Like, for example, the rumor of letting him also go to Barca and then us signing Alonso. That's really, really catastrophic. Hopefully, hopefully, yeah, we can go in the right direction. So, Kelly, before we, like I say goodbye to you, what's your score prediction for the game this weekend with Las Palmas? 2-1, uh, Atleti. Oh, you're predicting Las Palmas to score. That's really, really great because no, Las, Las Palmas are basically the one of the worst offensive teams in the league. So I don't think they will score the well. It's a little one never knows. So Kelf, see you next time and hope you have a great time. Thank you very much. Can't wait for the next one. Well, Cojoneros, thank you for listening up to this point. And remember, nunca deja de cre, never stop believing. See you next time. <laughs>